Welcome to Amazing Business Radio with best-selling author and customer service and business expert, Shep Hyken. Shep will talk with some of the smartest thinkers in business to help make you more successful in your professional and personal life. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. Hello, everybody. It's Shep Hyken. We are back with another episode of Amazing Business Radio, and I am excited because in the house today is Maria Ross, actually on the line today is Maria. And we're going to talk about her new book, The Empathy Edge. But before we get into that, a couple of announcements, and you know what they are. We do them every week. If you want your story or your questions answered, all you need to do is reach out to me on all of the different social media channels. Make sure you hit me and use the hashtag AskShep. If you have a question, I'll either answer it there or actually bring it on the show and talk about it, or maybe write about it in one of my newsletters or blogs or one of the articles that I write for publications. Also, just a reminder that Be Amazing or Go Home, which is the title of one of my books, which is actually being re-released in October this year as we speak. It's probably already out. and uh, Well, it has been out, but it's being re-released by a new publisher. So the book's only two years old. But we also have a TV show of the same name, Be Amazing or Go Home. And you can get to that on Amazon Prime, Roku, uh, all the -the over-the-top streaming internet type TV station. So please feel free to join in, get motivated, get excited, learn a lot. All right. And we're going to learn a lot today. And we're going to learn from Maria Ross, who is the founder of a brand consultancy, Red Slice. And uh, she believes in cash flow, creativity, and compassion. And they're not mutually exclusive. No, she advises entrepreneurs and fast growth businesses on building irresistible brand stories and messaging to better connect with their customers. And She's authored a number of books, but the most recent book is the one that we are going to talk about today, and that is The Empathy Edge. So much to talk about. Maria, welcome to Amazing Business Radio. Thank you so much for having me, Chef. It's great to be here. Well, I'm excited because um, I actually read through this book, uh, at least a preview copy, uh, quite a while ago, and now it's coming to life. It is out also October 2019. And if uh, you're listening to this before it comes out uh, officially, you can pre-order it afterwards. Just order it because it's a good book. Everybody needs empathy. Um, Maria, quick little <laughs> background on yourself. Go ahead. I did a real short intro, but give us a little bit more meat. Tell us. Who Absolutely. You yeah, I am a brand strategist, a speaker, and an author. And as you mentioned, my mantra is that cash flow, creativity, and compassion are not mutually exclusive. So. Mm-hmm. I work with small businesses, I work with fast growth companies, um, many in the tech sector, and I also work with entrepreneurs on basically being able to tell their story so that it's compelling, it's authentic, it connects with the right customers, and it drives sales. Um, You know, that's why we're in business, right? So um, that's, that's what I do right now. I've been doing that for more than 11 years. And prior to that, I was on both sides of the marketing equation. I was a marketing executive um, in Silicon Valley. I had also worked at, at, in an advertising agency on, on the agency side. So I've seen both sides of the, of the equation there. And um, I just really enjoy the work that I'm doing right now and working with mostly clients who are passionate about what they do. That's really my, my litmus test for working with a great client. You know, and I think a big or small company, whoever our clients are, we have to, you know, they, they need to be excited about what they're doing or, you know, it, we, I can't get excited for them. I could try to get them excited. But anyway, we're going to talk about your book. So let's start off uh, just real quick. Give me the uh, like the high level view of what this book is about. We pretty much got an idea because we understand the name. 
empathy or what the word empathy means, but how does it apply to business? And, and give us a big view of that before we jump into my first question. I guess that is my first question. That is your first question. So sure, the empathy edge, the subtitle is harnessing the value of compassion as an engine for success. And it's really a playbook for leaders, brands, and teams. It's my way of curating all of the research and the data out there, as well as my own expertise, that acting with genuine empathy as an organization and as a leader can actually reap bottom line benefits. And there's so much research and case studies out there. I did some amazing interviews with, with leaders of, of companies of all sizes. And it's really about trying to flip the script that there's a different way to be successful. It doesn't have to be dog eat dog. It doesn't have to be greed is good. Um, th these are companies that are making huge strides by having empathetic leadership, uh, creating an empathetic culture where their employees can thrive and do their best work. You know, side note, innovation and productivity are one are two of the many benefits of having an empathetic organization. And that when you have that empathetic brand, that is not just sort of a one-off, which we'll talk about in a bit, the empathy veneer, when it's genuine and authentic, it can reap huge rewards. It increases customer loyalty, customer revenue, you know, they'll buy more from you. They'll talk about you more. You'll get more press. So all of these, these business benefits, it's not just this woo-woo concept of let's all just be nicer to people, but this is really about meeting skeptics potentially where they are and saying, hey, try this because it's actually good for your business to yeah. behave this way. I like it. I like it. All right. So the empathy veneer and how your brand can avoid it. What is empathy veneer? Well, so, you know, a lot of the flack that I got initially when starting this book was, are you just trying to tell people how to cheat the system, right? Are you trying to tell people how to present themselves as empathetic so they can make more money? And that was not the intention of the book at all. And so I, I addressed that head on in a chapter called The Empathy Veneer, which is about this idea that if you're going to try to do this as a one-off thing, if you're going to try to to create this what I call slapping a coat of faux empathy on top of your business because you think that's going to get you good press or you think that's going to endear your customers to you. It's going to backfire spectacularly. So how you avoid the empathy veneer is empathy has to exist at all these other levels other than just like what you do outside the company and how much you donate to philanthropy or how involved you get in the community. It's got to start from the inside out, just like a good brand. If it's to be believable and genuine has to start from the inside out. And that means your leaders and your individual people. So you're hiring the right people, you're training them correctly. You are rewarding them in appropriate ways to reward the behavior that you seek. And you're creating a culture internally that is fostering empathy, whether that's through policies and processes, whether that's through, um, again, reward structures and accountability. And only then can the external brand of empathy be believable because you're actually living it from the inside out. So um, this is about more about a mindset and creating an environment where empathy can flourish rather than, well, let's do these three things this year and that will make us look empathetic. Yeah, I just, while you were talking, I, I went to do a Google search on the word veneer. And uh, there, there's two of them that come up. And one is in the dentistry world, a veneer is a large, or I'm sorry, not a large, a layer of material placed over a tooth. Uh, mm -hmm. It improves the aesthetics of a smile and or protects the tooth's surface from damage. But the real definition, according to, well, according to the dictionary on Google anyway. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> 
somebody, I think it, it, it goes to your point, a thin decorative covering of fine wood applied to a coarser wood or mm -hmm. other material. In other words, it's a cover-up. Exactly. Fake. It's not real. That's what a veneer is. It's, uh, you know, oh yeah, that's a great looking wood. Well, you get up close and it's not wood. It's veneer over a lesser quality of wood. And I think what you're saying is you've got to be real. And I think right. long-term people will see right through that. Short-term, you may get a little gain, but. Uh, exactly, exactly. It's, 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 a, it's about sustainability and it's about believability and trust. And we, you know, we can all individually think of examples of companies that have pretended to be a certain way and pick, you know, pick your brand attribute du jour, whether it's empathy or authenticity or mm -hmm. kindness or you know, customer service is job one, but you're going to wait for an hour on our customer service uh, line yeah. to Your get call help. is very important to us. Exactly. Yeah, in Please the meantime, hold for nine hours. Yeah. For a long time because we don't <laughs> care that much about you. I get it. So right. in your mind, who are the most empathetic companies? Can you give me two or three, five? Yeah. I mean, actually I profiled many in the book and of yes. course, you know, you've written books. So, you know, as soon as you're done, there's like, Oh, I should have included that. I should right. have included this company. So, you know, as, as my public service message to everyone out there, I know I left people out, but I had to finish the book. Um, but companies like Airbnb, mm. like Salesforce, actually, um, Southwest airlines, uh, all of these companies have achieved real results through the work that they do that starts genuinely inside of the company. And it might have nothing to do with what the company does for business, but it's just the way they're run, what their leaders choose to emphasize, what their cultures reward um, in performance evaluations or promotion considerations. So all of these, it's not just sort of like nice words that live on a poster in an office somewhere. And then it's never actually... Uh, linked to the day-to-day -day activity or to what people care about as they progress in their roles. It's really fundamentally in the fabric of these companies. Yep. And, you know, at, just as a, as an example that maybe many people listening can relate to, we've, many of us have had experiences with Southwest Airlines. And that is a company that at its heart is about stellar service, is about we, we understand what your life is like and we're going to do things as an airline differently because we hear you, we value you, we, we want your experience to be something better than it is. And the most important thing is they understand what that experience is. They are connected with their customer. So there's, there's a, many other companies I could talk about, but that's you know, some of the highlights that pop to mind right now that I've mentioned in the book and I have case studies in there for. Very good, very good. So empathy is not a noun, it's a way, a way of acting. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So the book is called Empathy Edge. It is available at Amazon.com. The author is Maria Ross. And we're going to take a short break and come right back. And when we do, we're going to talk about five ways leaders and teams can take action now to be more empathetic. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Good customer service is now an expectation. Don't provide it and you'll be disrupted by a competitor who does. So what can you do to stand out? Well, that's the focus of my latest book, The Convenience Revolution, how to create a customer service experience that disrupts the competition and creates fierce loyalty. The goal is to reduce friction and be convenient for your customers. So if you're ready to take your customer service to the next level and disrupt your competitors, well, this is the book for you. To order the book, go to www.beconvenient.com. That's beconvenient.com. It's time for you to join the revolution, the convenience revolution. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. 
And we're back on Amazing Business Radio talking with Maria Ross. All right, Maria, five ways leaders and teams can take action now to be empathetic. So we have to start with individuals, right? None of this can become a thing unless it starts with an individual. And what's so great about this is it doesn't matter if you're the CEO. You know, you, you have a sphere of influence, however small, whether it's the people working around you as colleagues, your team, whatever. And so the most important step to, to be an empathetic leader is to practice presence, not patience, but presence. So if you don't have your own house in order, if you're constantly scattered and preoccupied, you don't have any capacity to consider someone else's perspective or point of view. You're too stuck in your own stuff. So whatever that means to you to practice presence, it doesn't mean you have to do an hour of meditation every day. But um, you know, in the book, I've included several ideas, but even if it's a five to 10 minute practice per day of sipping your coffee in silence, not looking at your phone or your email, or you know, meditating for 10 minutes and sitting quietly and doing deep breathing, whatever it is, if it's taking a walk before you start work, get yourself in that mindset of being grounded and being present because that's what's gonna enable you to open up your aperture to see another person's point of view. Great, so um, be present, that's number present. one. Yes, number one, listen more and stay number humble. Two. Number two. Sorry, number two. Number two is listen more, stay humble. I was listening. <laughs> yes, you were. Exactly. I wasn't listening to myself. Um, but this is about, and this, you know, this is hard for chatterboxes like me or, you know, you, like we have to focus on what the words that we're hearing. So when you're listening to other people's experiences, to their stories, to the subtext of what they're saying, to their tone of voice, you can draw patterns from that information and stop yourself from wanting to be prescriptive, wanting to offer advice right away. Take it in and stay humble so that you can adopt this servant leadership mindset, which is a common trait among many of the leaders that I interviewed in the book about what makes them so successful as empathetic leaders. Yep. So listen more, stay humble. All right, number three. Uh, number three, be curious. The most empathetic people research has shown are people who ask questions and are curious about other things, which stands to reason because you, you want to know about someone else's life or someone else's experience. So ask questions, stay open to possibilities. A great way to sort of stretch your curiosity is to explore with your imagination and read books or watch documentaries about people with lives completely different from your own. But always start with questions when you're met with negative behavior in the workplace. Instead of reacting, Ask why that is the case. Why do they feel this way? Why do they think this is the right approach to take? Um, same thing with customers, same with colleagues. Be curious. Be curious. That's good. Powerful. So number four is to cultivate confidence. And this is kind of related to the first thing. Again, if you're a, an internal wreck about saving your own skin, about proving your worth, about looking over your own shoulder, and you're not confident, you don't have a healthy store of self-confidence. It's much harder to be present and listen and practice curiosity and all the things that we've been talking about because we're too busy doubting ourselves. So things you can do are to track your own goals and celebrate progress along the way. Keep, keep a file on your computer or you know, if you want to keep a hard copy file, when people have given you attaboys or you know, well done or praised your work. And, or find an accountability partner who can give you an objective point of view about your own strengths. Those are really great ways to bolster your own confidence because often people that are toxic in the workplace 
suffer from a lack of confidence. And so again, you cannot be empathetic towards others if you're not empathetic to yourself. So cultivate that confidence. Yeah. And I just want to jump in on, on this before you get to number five is that, uh, the confidence you're talking about is not an arrogant confidence, Mm-mm. confidence that instills confidence in others. It's, you know, you look at this person, you go, wow, they have confidence. Arrogance, however, comes from some of those people you just mentioned. Mm-hmm. They have a lack of confidence, but are trying to make up for it with something else. I Absolutely. Often, I often joke about the lack of confidence, that guy in that really loud uh, Lamborghini or Ferrari has driving down the street, you know, Mm -hmm. it's like, Mm -hmm. that's what that guy needs to get attention. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. If so, if you, if you're going at this with something to prove, you're probably leaning towards arrogance. Right. And (laughs) by the way, I, 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 if somebody said, Hey, Shep, would you mind driving this Ferrari for the next couple of years? I go, Hey, sign me up. Oh yeah. You're going to do it. Yeah. I'm just saying. (laughs) Not all people who drive yeah. fancy cars have a confidence issue. Exactly, exactly, right? We want we want to be empathetic. Some people just enjoy driving a nice car, right? Exactly. <laughs> all right, number five. And I think um, I'm I'm I have like in the book I've broken things out: leaders, cultures, and brands. But this one's a little bit more related to the culture that you can create as a leader, and that is to create an environment of trust. So empathy can only flourish if your employees feel safe and secure enough to stop looking over their shoulders. So, you know, create a plan for meetings that enables everyone to safely contribute, introverts and extroverts. Um, Cultivate strong mentorship and training programs within your culture to breed trust. If you're going to say you have an open door policy, really have an open door policy. Don't let it be lip service, right? Let people know it's a safe place for them to innovate. It's a safe place for them to make mistakes because that's where the creativity and the innovation happens. And you cannot have an empathetic workplace if everyone's living in fear. So create an environment of trust, again, in whatever your sphere of influence is. It could be just the, the few people on your team. If you're the CEO, it could be the entire organization. So yesterday, which was Sunday, I was actually it was Sunday or Saturday, Saturday, a couple of days ago. I happened to visit a friend of mine's company. I had never been there before and he was showing me around. And he says, this is where I sit. He's, he's, and, and then here's where our COO sits and, you know, whatever, all the C-suite. And mm-hmm. you know where they are? They're in cubicles in the middle of everybody else. Mm-hmm. Now, what message is that sending to the people that he works with? Mm-hmm. It's, the, it's more than open door. It's, yeah. it's totally open. And mm-hmm. I think, and, and, and you look back, another guy in the shoe business, Tony Shea, when he started Zappos, mm-hmm. go to the uh, Zappos headquarters and go on the tour. They show you what he refers to as monkey row, which is where all the executives sit. And mm-hmm. it's a row of cubicles in the middle of all the other cubicles. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so it's great. It's great. All right. Those are outstanding. Be present, listen more and be humble, be curious, create confidence and trust. Five great ways. We're going to take a short break. When we come back, we're going to wrap all this up and talk about how to foster this in your own company. This is Shep Hyken on Amazing Business Radio. Don't go away. Are you ready to be amazing? Of course you are. That's why you tune into Amazing Business Radio. If you like what you're hearing here, you're going to love my new TV show, Be Amazing or Go Home. 
each episode is devoted to sharing ideas to help you be amazing in both your business and personal lives. We also feature an app or technology every week that you're going to find fascinating, and we always have at least two guests on the show. The show is now available on Amazon Prime, Roku, C-Suite TV, and more, so the choice is yours. Be amazing or go home. This is Amazing Business Radio with Shep Hyken. We're back talking with Maria Ross. Again, the book is titled The Empathy Edge, and you can get this at Amazon. Or Maria, what is your website if somebody wanted to go there and learn more about you? Well, the book website is theempathyedge.com. My website for my business, I know, right? And my business is red-slice.com if people want to learn a little bit more about me. But yeah, theempathyedge.com is the place to go. You can get a free sample chapter. You can... um, you know, when people buy the book, they can access some great free resources. So there's all kinds of good stuff there. Great. So I just want to know, Red Slice, tell me about that. Give me like the quick 30 second version of what that means, because I don't want to short you on this uh, final. No, it's okay. I was, you know, creating a branding agency and I didn't want to make it Ross Consulting. So I, uh, I actually leveraged something from a personal blog that I had called Red Slice, which is an homage to my red hair and the fact that I have many, many different interests. So multi-passionate slices of me. And I made this Red Slice because I also help my clients stand out like a red slice of apple in a sea of green apples. That is sort of where the name comes from. But it's that hungry. exact reaction that I wanted to engender when I named the company. Yep, I'm getting hungry now. A green <laughs> apple. Juicy <laughs> advice, yes. It, very good. Very. Oh, that's very good. All Thank right. You. So um, as we start to wrap up, and I know you you know I've got the final question coming at in a moment, but before yeah. we get into that, you know, so this is a great concept. You've given us the five ways. We've talked about you know how you can't be fake. You've got to be authentic. Get rid of that veneer. Actually, never even put veneer on whatever mm-hmm. it is you are. So how do you foster this uh, type of culture? Well, there's there's six six tips for that, but let's let's focus on two because we actually already talked a little bit about creating an environment of trust. Mm. Number one, I want to encourage folks to start small. This doesn't have to be a big transformational exercise. It's going to take six months but you don't have to tackle it in that way. You can spark empathy within your culture through just looking at the language that you use every day. Uh, you know, there, there's a consultant that I interviewed for the book from the UK and she talked about working with clients uh, to rename their thing called head office because it was so military. It was so, you know, we're nothing. We're not the head office. They changed the name to hub. So there could be many, many aspects to that question of what language are you using internally within the company to just make some tweaks, make some changes, but start small. Um, Secondly, facilitate intergenerational understanding. I have a a bunch of research in the book about how millennials and Gen Z are actually some of the most diverse and empathetic generations we're going to see in the workforce thus far. So you know, there's different expectations, there's different desires, there's different motivators between the generations that can cause friction at work and that can impact productivity and innovation. So understand what the different generations believe, embrace that diversity of thought, perhaps run some generational salons where you have panels of people representing different generations to talk about their experiences, but foster that communication and that intergenerational understanding and embrace it, don't avoid it. You know, uh, before we jump, I want to talk about mm-hmm. uh, 
profiling behavioral styles, which Myers mm-hmm. Briggs, DISC, you know, all those types of you know predictive index. Those mm-hmm. are really important. And I think it doesn't really matter whether somebody's a millennial or a boomer or a Gen Z, X, Y, whatever. Once you understand somebody's behavioral style, mm-hmm. regardless of what you label them based on their age, mm-hmm. better interact with them. You're better able to create a relationship. You're better able to create confidence because you do trust uh, or you do get them to trust you because you're listening, mm-hmm. you're curious about them because you care about them and you're talking to them on their level, at their level, the way they like to be communicated with. Yes. And understanding their experiences too, because you know the generations coming up grew up in a very different world. They grew yeah. up in 24-7 social media. They grew up in be- being able to voice their opinion wherever and whenever they want. That's what they're used to. Yeah. And so, you know, being able to understand where they're coming from when they make certain demands or they want certain things in their work environments, it's just having that understanding. And so really facilitating that generational understanding. And then I think one of the the last big ones is leverage accountability and rewards. So, you know, obviously this depends on, on where you are in the organization and what you're able to do, but you get the culture you endorse and that you reward. So when you put the right accountability structures in place, whether that's evaluating new hires or promoting seasoned veterans, you can ensure that you balance um, ambition, innovation, and healthy competition with empathy. If you make it a fundamental part of how people are evaluated and rewarded and recognized. Great. I think this is a tweetable moment. You get the culture you endorse. Mm -hmm. That's a great one. Love that line. All right. We're down to the final minute or two. And I always like to end with the one thing question. And that is simply this. Can you give us one more nugget that you absolutely want these people to hear? Or is there something you want to reiterate and emphasize? I think I want to say my broader goal with the book is to create a more empathetic world. I'm just starting at the place where we spend the bulk of our time. So my one nugget is if we can't master empathy in the place where we spend the bulk of our time with those colleagues, with those customers, there is no hope for us to have a more empathetic world outside of work. Ooh, and I hope we do. All right, Maria Ross, thank you so much for being on our show. This is great today. And this is why we call it Amazing Business Radio. The book is amazing, The Empathy Edge. I encourage everybody to get out there and and really understand it, learn about it, and be more empathetic because internally works in your company. But guess what happens when you go home? It works for those relationships as well. Thank you, Maria, for being on the show. Thank you so much, Shep. Awesome. Great to have you. And that wraps up another episode of Amazing Business Radio. Thanks for listening, everybody. Next week, we'll have another amazing interview. And until then, this is Chef Heiken reminding you to always be amazing. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>